There are vast challenges around the sheer amount of data available to businesses today. How do you use the cloud? How could data lakes play a role? How can you get more insights from your data? Welcome to Upstream in Perspective. I'm one of your hosts, Jessica Nelson. In this special episode of Upstream in Perspective, we join a conversation our Senior Vice President of Upstream Energy, David Hicks, has with Ali Sangster and Michael Wynn from our Upstream Energy team and Nihal Kenya from our IHS Market Data Lake team. This conversation is part of our DX Talk series, which tackles topics around the digital transformation within Upstream Energy. To learn more or hear additional conversations, visit ihsmarket.com DX. Now, I'll turn it over to David. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of DX Talks at IHS Market. My name is David Hicks. I'm Senior Vice President of Upstream Energy. And today I have Michael Wynn, who's our Vice President of International Content, uh, Nihal Kenya, who is leading our product strategy and implementation around the IHS Market Data Lake, and Ali Sangster, who leads our analytics and insight work across the Energy and Natural Resources Division. So welcome, everybody. Great to be back, having a chance to uh, discuss some of the important uh, changes and evolution that's going on in the, the technical world. So today's session is sort of focused around the amount, the great amount of data that um, we are all now um, faced with. And it's either a great opportunity, uh, but it's also a great challenge to deal with the vast amount of data. Uh, we've traditionally had some struggles with data management with our traditional data sets. But now, because of things like the cloud and uh, data lakes and information sources like that, we we now have the ability to query and draw insight after at a, such a incredible data estate, if you will. So at IHS Market, we've had our own roadmap and path along this, um, which has been very um, useful and insightful with with wins and challenges along that. But I thought today we would just chat a little bit about where we think we are. Uh, within the industry and um, what really do we expect to come uh, by having you know, this tremendous amount of information available. So Mike, let, let, let me turn it to you and, and ask a little bit about, you've been uh, obviously working with content and analytics uh, in the EMP space for um, quite a long while. Um, what do you, where do you think we're at? Where do you think some of the, the challenges are right now? Maybe some of the opportunities. So I, I think when we when we spoke last time, um, one of our DX sessions, we talked about the the impact of COVID in accelerating digitalization in upstream, and digitalization is absolutely crucial um, because companies are relying on it to to fuel the workflows of the next supercycle, which are going to be much much faster more unpredictability in the system and the thing that helps you navigate that is data it's absolutely crucial and it will also help you deliver value um, back into the organization if you can derive the right amount of value from data i think whilst we've seen acceleration we've also seen some challenges so the the, the digitization projects that many companies have pushed ahead with have the aim of what you might call ultimate discoverability but really, that's not happened yet. Our ultimate discoverability is, is a Google-esque style world where someone can say, well, this is my question. What's out there that can help me answer it? 
today we're still not at that point. Today we still march along the path of, I think I need this data, who can help me pull it together? So we're not actually on any voyage of discovery, we're just trying to accelerate the workflow as we've done it in the past, hopefully with a bit more completeness and a lot more speed. So flexing forwards into this world of ultimate discoverability is going to be absolutely key, and that's going to rely on standards, metadata, ultimate um, accessibility. So more and more sources of information becoming available at state level, at supplier level, that sort of thing. And then behind all of that, of course, there's going to have to be some sort of architecture that delivers that ultimate accessibility. So we've come a ways, but we've not made it to the transformational place that we need to be just yet. So we have, um, you know, we talk a lot about um, the cloud and, and, and this accessibility of data, and we talk a lot about data lakes. And Nihal, maybe this is a, a question or a topic for you. So we've pushed a lot of data up uh, in the cloud, but to Mike's point, is it, um, wh where does that stand? Is it, mm -hmm. is it useful uh, at this point? Yeah, so just to sort of touch on kind of the journey and where we are, um, I would say we've been at this for quite some time now. We're roughly two and a half years into our journey. Um, if you asked anybody at our company two and a half years ago, you know, what are all the data assets that you have? We couldn't necessarily answer that question in a coherent way. And so that's sort of why we embarked on this journey to create this data lake, right? And and as you both touched on, it's not enough to just put your data in the cloud, right? It can be there, but if people can't find it and if it's not put in there in a way that makes it consumable to end clients, then it's not really kind of at its potential for kind of maximum use. And so what we did is um, we built out a platform first for ourselves, right? So that any kind of colleague of IHS Market can come to this platform, do a Google-like search. That's sort of the ultimate vision, as you say, uh, Michael. Do a Google-like search, pull up the data assets kind of across any one of our business lines, you know, whether it's energy, financial services, transportation, um, see what we have available very quickly, uh, get access to that data, and then start using it. Now, now we've rolled that out internally and, you know, folks kind of in our business lines across our data science team saw great value in this. And so we thought we would sort of roll this out to our end clients as well, um, because we see that they're dealing with the same data challenges that we're dealing with today. Um, so as I said, we're two and a half years into our journey. There's a lot of work to do. Um, we've come a long way in terms of searchability, discoverability. What we're learning now is um, the data does need to be there of a certain standard and quality, and it does need to be usable. And so we're really working with our clients to kind of um, make strides in making the quality of that data and then also uh, kind of democratizing our platform so that it's available to a wide set of end users. Today, I would say we're a little bit more focused on sort of technology users, right? And so you need some programming skills to be able to access that data. Well, there, you know, there are a lot of data analysts out there, business analysts who are used to using those business intelligence tools uh, to be able to access data. And so now what we're trying to do is sort of work on making data more accessible to a broader audience. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's 
really interesting and and you know i just know and and ali this will be a perfect one for you but you can take any one data set even if it's very mature and i would say even today we we still struggle a little bit with having that be complete and accessible but Niha, when you talk about um you know you start talking about the breadth uh the data like even at ihs market with uh, the data we cover finance you know all the way through transportation to energy it, it kind of compounds that so ali you know at, at a little bit of a lower level you've worked a lot with data in a very specific way um you know within the emp space uh, uh you're saying in, and as we talk about analytics and and really getting to new answers and insights um, is it getting better? Are you seeing advancements or uh, is it becoming a bit overwhelming? Uh, I'd say a little bit of both. So more overwhelming in the sense to where, all right, well production completion data, that's great, but it's not the only thing. So we're seeing that when you're, when you're focusing in on certain parts of the business, you can have one answer, but it may not be the complete or broad answer. And you're not necessarily understanding um, all of the relationships. So for example, you know, with, with oil and gas data, it's, it's relational, it's multidimensional and it's time series. So, you know, putting it all in a data lake and consolidating it together so you can access it from one location, that's brilliant. But then from a user perspective, how do you interface with that data? So how do you, you know, how do you gain insights? How do you understand, you know, what's causing, you know, what's the causation versus, you know, is there a correlation and some sort of trend that I'm seeing? And that's really with an interface, that front end interface. So having the ability to bring large, pretty much mega data together um, in an interactive way, that's a really big deal. And so from a technology perspective, I'd say that's definitely getting better. And it's giving us the opportunity to work with data in ways that we've never been able to do before. Yeah, yeah, that's great. And, and we expect there are going to be some tremendous insights that come out of that. So it's interesting and, and that makes it circle back. You know, this is we spent a lot of time in the upstream space and talking about EMP content and analytics, but you can't discuss anything without talking about the energy transition. And I think the, the new increasing emphasis on EMP companies to decide uh, where they want to invest their dollars. So we haven't touched on, but uh, but what are what about the ever uh, sort of the holy grail, if you will, of of a common data standard and common data access? So we know again we have a couple of new um, uh, initiatives underway. OSDU would be one. Uh, the World Economic Forum, you know, Mike, that you're involved in is is another. Are those a big piece of this ultimate solution of getting to all data? And I guess I'll ask the bigger question, which is, you know, OSD is very focused really on the upstream energy market, but what we're really talking about is, um, you know, that ability to query financial data at the same time, you might want to know, um, you know, how many stages, you know, uh, frac stages were in particular wells. So uh, any comments around the, the data standard effort at this point and how it's impacting our data access? Yeah, I, I, absolutely. And, and, you know, data standards, David, you and I could talk about this. Uh, we've been around long enough to have lived through almost every effort in this industry of data standardization. Uh, OSDU's uh, got the, the best cadence of any initiative I, I think I've ever seen. 
um, because companies are actively investing in it. Um, I think the initiative at the World Economic Forums slides further because um, for the first time ever, you know, the, the WEF is sponsored by its governors, uh, which are the big companies around the world and the governments. And it's that top down pressure suddenly. Let's make this work because finally everyone's sitting up to the enormous advantages that are available uh, are not just across people getting more value from data, but machine learning, AI, and a data transition, the energy transition starts to play naturally into that because you're beginning to have to make decisions um, in, in a much shorter super cycle. Okay, there's still questions over what the cadence of a project is for the upstream industry. Are we down to just 10 years now? Um, and during that 10 years, do, do what factors play in to making your project pay back and they're not just economical ones they are um, carbon intensity ones as well in some cases so you begin to need again right there ultimate data discoverability or you've never even thought about adding that angle how do we do it so already you're seeing osdu have an evolution map that includes during 2022 extending into renewables wind solar that sort of thing because we will have integrated energy projects so standards are absolutely crucial that's that's going to help it's going to help people surface their data as well if governments want to compete more effectively they may have to stop sitting on the data as a state asset and put it out there and they'll need a standard to do that so it can plug in and help them promote their location their country as an attractive place to do next generation energy projects. So yeah, we're just at the start of that transformation. I think given the amount of money being spent on it, it's gonna really accelerate through 2021 um, and it will deliver or help deliver that ultimate discoverability. But we've gotta to get to a point where we all agree those standards. And that also suggests this concept of more open data, I think as well. So we have traditionally lived in a world of um, data providers like an IHS, IHS market. Um, there's certainly been uh, clients and customers that have had their own proprietary data. Does this uh, necessitate, this new world necessitate more, more people offering up more content in an open concept? I think yes. And I also think that the different, um, from a content format, that's going to change and get slightly more complex as well. So, if, if you think about um, with, with transitioning and then just the different types of data. So if you are trying to understand movement, you know, that's telematics data. So, you know, that's something to where that's a new, you know, data form to where how do you bring in live streaming data for locations? Then there's, okay, I need to understand what's happening down below. Then there's satellite imagery. So how can then you tie the satellite imagery down to what's happening on the ground? And then you have, you know, the whole interaction between your map and your data it's really important because that spatial analysis, that's also really important as well. So I think, I mean, back to what Mike was saying, it's as you really are transitioning into more of an energy, it's not just about your files and your data feeds. You also have to think about how do I work with this new type of data that, that's coming in, um, really that's enabled through this whole digital transformation, really. I think that's that's absolutely right, and and I'd, I'd ask uh, Nahal a question as well. If you, if you think about 
we focus so far in this conversation mainly on unstructured unstructured data sorry and there's unstructured data as well as masses of it and there's a groundswell of opinion now that there is as much if not more value in unstructured data so how do we create the accessibility model that allows people to search and find relevant data once we bring all that unstructured data in i mean i don't know if you've got any ideas now Sure. Um, so we're actually very much focused on that as an initiative for ourselves this year. Um, as an example, we're bringing in uh, to the Data Lake product uh, about a, a million different research reports that our analysts that are experts in the industry have written. Right. And as you say, we want to make this accessible to people searchable. And so we're using um, AI and machine learning techniques to do a couple of things. Right. So, for example, for every research report that's written, uh, we're doing something called feature engineering. So what that does is it'll scan through the article and pull out keywords that are relevant, which will then use for searchability. Another thing that we're doing is we are using um, machine learning techniques to summarize those research reports, right? And so again, in terms of searching for data, you can see sort of a you know three, four sentence synopsis on a longer research report and know whether you know, quickly, whether that's something that matches your search criteria and that's something that you'll want to look at, for example. And so, you know, th this is just sort of one set of unstructured data that we're working with. But Ali, as you said, you know, there's satellite imagery, there's, you know, uh, geospatial data, there's just sort of a wealth of other data that we have to figure out how to make accessible. And I would say we're sort of early in our journey there to do um, and for us we have a lot of learning to do in that space to make it more accessible to end customers great well this is fantastic obviously there's uh we could talk uh, uh for quite <laughs> a long time about all this and maybe we'll develop this theme through some additional uh dx talks episodes but i'm going to put all of you guys on the spot here uh to end this with um you know uh one, one of my my uh beliefs is ultimately I would like to be able to sit down and say um, I have 50 million dollars to invest this is the type of company I am uh, where you know where should I put this I mean I think in some respects that's quite obviously genericized but that concept is really at the bottom of all this for any sort of entity or company so um, and it would take into uh, account so many factors so many triggers much of which you know we're working with right now and bringing together so my question for for each of you is is when when is something like that realistically going to be available and Nihal, to like what you said earlier in in a form and fashion that a um uh somebody who wasn't you know a developer or a uh, technical savant could in fact ask those questions and know they're touching on all these different data points so just uh, broadly, uh, we'll start with you, Nihal. When, when, when do you imagine in your, your mind that this would come together? Look, I, I, I don't think we're too far away. Um, I think there are there are technologies out there that can do this sort of kind of um, combining of data in the background so you get an unbiased view of how data sets link together, right, across all of the different disciplines. Um, we have an initiative where we're trying to build an enterprise knowledge graph, for example, which would 
take all of the data and show you linkages across them. And I think building a very nice visualization on top of that would allow end users to ask questions like you're you're talking about. Um, I do think there's a little bit of a reality check there where um, it won't it's not we're not necessarily at the stage where it would be that broad and you can say, hey, I have $50 million or whatever the number is, you know, how should I invest that money? But I do think that if you have a little bit of expertise, you know what you're looking for in some sense. Um, we are building technologies to do that. There are a lot of firms that are doing that. So I would say, you know, we're in the. Uh, I would say years away, potentially a small number of years away versus, you know, very far off to be able to do something like that. All right, good job. You actually got to a, a sort of a vague numbers and I know this is a tough <laughs> question. Yeah. Allie, how long before we're, we're, we're at a point where we're really easily able to ask, you know, questions and get that insight back? $50 million. That, that's, that's the, um, okay. That's an example. Technology, but the resources, and data science a year. <laughs> right. No, I, I think I think that we're close. I, I think there are a lot of things that are there. Um, I, I think it's just a matter of then figuring out what works and putting it together. So I I would say a year away. Mike, Maybe you've really had optimistic. Long, okay, Mike, you've had the <laughs> longest time to come up with yeah, your question. I, I'm going to give you the answer that probably annoys you the most, David. So if, if we ever get to that point, right, what a boring world we'll be in because we, we rely on on disruption and innovation to, to keep moving the ball around. So um, there will always be there will always be some some cadence of surprise. Um, if you look at the investment models used by some of the biggest funds today, I think you could argue that they're doing a pretty good job now, uh, predictively understanding when to buy and sell, when to when to pitch investments. But even they are occasionally disrupted by news because there isn't quite the resolution yet uh, to remove surprise from the model. If I then back it out to upstream and try and answer your your question a bit more specifically. If the current projects and the investment in DX continue, and we do see this compressed super cycle next time around, everyone knows we've got to be in better shape. And I think that the aim point that most people are dwelling on today, sort of 2023, 2024, to have most of what they need available and being built into models, and in some cases, closed loop systems. So you'll be able at that point to financially model uh, disruptions aside like covid um you'll be able to financially model the the likely outcome of any investment with with a fair degree of risk handling great great well and i imagine someday even things like covid uh may may become factors that will be uh input into the model as well but um we'll see we're we're not out of that one right now uh, I just want to thank everybody. Great conversation, really interesting topic. I think we'll follow up with some maybe more specific uh, themes, you know, that are underneath this umbrella. But again, I want to thank everybody for uh, joining uh, today. Really enjoyed it. And um, for everybody out there who's listening to this, look forward to uh, presenting the follow-up uh, DX talk. So thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed this special episode. For the latest insights, be sure to look up IHS Market Energy on LinkedIn or Twitter, or check out our blog at ihsmarket.com slash energy blog. Submit your ideas or questions to our podcast team at ihsmarket.com slash upstream podcast. 
This podcast contains information and insights copyrighted by IHS Market. To learn more about IHS Market Energy Solutions, visit ihsmarket.com energy. That's ihsmarkit.com forward slash energy.